0: If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is Foundations, the radio ministry of Oak Hill Presbyterian Church, Sonora, California. We welcome you to our Sunday morning worship services under the leadership of Pastor David Bush. Stay tuned following today's program for more information about Oak Hill Presbyterian Church. Here now is today's message from Pastor Bush.
1: Okay, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Acts 5, 27 to 42 for our text. We're at part four of Unmasking Tyranny. Acts 5, starting in verse 27. When they had brought them, they stood, before th- uh, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and an intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, "'Men of Israel,' Take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago Thutius rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of a God, you will not be able to overthrow it, or else you may even be found fighting against God. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And we'll end there. Of course, as we've, we've looked at a number of aspects about tyranny, and just to kind of give you a brief, brief review of those, uh, those aspects that we've already considered, is uh, that tyrants, first of all, reject God's authority. They rule upon their own whim, uh, making laws based upon a human standard, atheism, or doing what is right in their own eyes. Uh, Two, the tyrants establish uh, standing armies that um, rather than having a a well-trained militia, they often have standing armies where our sons and daughters are um, employed in the conflicts that are of importance to the individual rather than what may be um, in the best interest of protecting the homeland. We then looked at tyrants uh, control the means of production, that when the state controls production rather than the people, this is a, a way of power over the people. We looked at tyrants want to control property. The uh, communist manifesto uh, clearly uh, would be indicative of this, and um, as a... Uh, Mark said that communism is nothing more than the acquisition of property. We looked at tyrants uh, look to the world for wisdom rather than to God for that wisdom. And so secularism becomes the, the blind man leading the blind man and both fall into the ditch. Uh, the sixth point was that tyrants want to control education. if you can control what people think you get to teach the history that you want. you teach at a level that would keep people from gaining the tools that would be able to evaluate the claims of the individual um, and so and many other things um, one individual said that uh, um, that a, a, a public education makes a public more controllable. And so it is for a way of gaining control. Um, seventh was that uh, tyrants enslave their citizens, that we become slaves of masters rather than uh, our politicians who view themselves as our servants, um, even though the language of Scripture is that they are ministers of God, they are servants of God, and that they are to rule in a way um, that they serve the people, not themselves, not their own self-interest. And then uh, lastly, we looked at uh, tyrants love genocide, that uh, history is, is just chock full of examples of uh, tyrants that get in control and uh, the people, the citizenry that uh, disagrees with them are put to death on a massive, massive scale. Uh, Contrary to uh, Christian societies that uh, honor God, um, the death rate is just astronomically uh, disproportionate. So we'll continue on then um, looking at our ninth point. Um, The first point on your outline today will be that tyrants want control of the media. You see, there are two uh, things that are most offensive to a tyrant. The first is that, um, that, that they might hear that somebody has more authority than they do, that this is an insult to them. Man loves power. Uh, It is a a difficult power to keep control of authority. And so tyrants want more and more authority. And this is why we typically see that the tyrants are the heads of state, whether it be a king, a president, a a military general, or um, that kind of a figure, that it is typically the, the highest office that rules down the line because they love that top seat. Um, The second would be that they are guilty of sin, that they are not a perfect individual. Uh, These things become very offensive to civil leaders. And I think in our our text, you see something of this. Notice how uh, these civil leaders are incensed at the apostles uh, because of these two points. Notice where in verse 30, Peter, speaking for the apostles, I believe it says Peter and the apostles there in verse 29 spoke, uh, and the message is that God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death. There's the accusation of sin. You put him to death by hanging him on a cross, and the fact that there is one over them in verse 31, he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince, and so they they recognize this, and I say, so I think they, they are offended on both of those scores. And now the option is that they can do one of two things. They can either kill the messenger, which they intend in verse 33, uh, they intended to kill them. And if you kill the messenger, well, then the message dies with that messenger. That's the idea. Dead messengers can't talk, the people won't hear the message. And so you succeed in continuing with your lies and your deception. The second alternative is to kill the message by suppression of the medium of conversation, censorship. And this is the course that... Leaders settle on in this case. They doubled down on their mandate. They had already previously given the mandate to uh, not continue talking and teaching in Jesus' name because they had filled Jerusalem with their teachings. That's in verse 28. That had already been given to them, and the apostles would not submit to that. And then uh, after Gamaliel comes in and he warns them not to not to go through with this program of or this plan to kill them um, gives his advice in verse forty, thankfully they at least took his advice in the short term. But notice that after they called the apostles in, they flogged them, so they beat them, and then again order them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they release them. This is the method of tyrants throughout the ages, is to, to censor truth. To, to create a narrative that works to their benefit and hiding the truth. This is why history books have been burned throughout the ages. When a tyrant rules, the narrative that would call them into account, that would correct their errors or compete with their narrative, those books are burned. Bibles have been burned. Narratives that contradict are stifled. And so... Uh, you might think about how even the icons of the day are crushed. Uh, I, you know, it's just interesting to me, when you, you study the character of a Robert E. Lee or a Stonewall Jackson, and you may have disagreed with the, with the Civil War, but, you know, there's a whole narrative about the South's position on that war, what they were fighting for, and it wasn't just merely to have slaves that they could abuse. This is a narrative that has been propagated by tyrants there was a godly group of people that wanted states' rights that was a part of that whole thing. And uh, the fight that they had was, you know, a, a defendable position, I believe, in many ways. To Rather than having a, a centralized government, a federal government that was over the states, they wanted their individual states' rights that the federal government would be under the power of the states. And uh, that's never heard. And so now these these. Statues of the land are being destroyed because we don't ever want to be exposed to that kind of history, and that truth never gets rightly displayed and, and used in a way to, to evaluate the truth claims. So you get a prejudiced narrative, and that gets propagated. Our heroes of the faith get treated as if they were criminals, and that can go from everyone from Cromwell to Jesse James and down the line it goes there's a number of narratives that we just simply do not get the full full story censorship hides information that we need to to act like christians uh, we are prone to error because we're not testing all things and holding to that which is good see that's the that's the attitude of the christian christians should not be fearful you know i don't want to burn books of charles darwin I radically disagree with his, his understanding of biology, how we came to be who we are. But I would not advocate burning the book. Let's like you read it. Can he make the case? Does this fit better than the truth of God's holy word? I argue no. But we test all things and hold to that which is true. Notice how the Bereans are commended in Acts 17. Now, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The apostles come teaching this new message. I'm going to take this, I'm going to weigh it out with Scripture and, and, and test it. See what is true. Paul will encourage the renouncing of the things hidden, to shun the error, how do, you, how do you shun error if you can't evaluate it with truth? And so we should not be afraid of those sorts of things. But today, we have a media that is decidedly biased. I don't care whether it's YouTube, Twitter, CNN, MSNBC, Fakebook, Fox News. We're not getting the whole story. We're getting a biased interpretation. Why is it that I could go on with the the various things, but everything from hydroxychloroquine to ivermectin to the voting fraud case, try to find the other side of those issues. Try to find those today. Uh, Try to find anything that is sympathetic to to Donald Trump or hostile to Joe Biden on YouTube. Try to find it. You're you're not going to find it. And what, why is there such fear of this? Now, again, I'm not trying to pre- teach <laughs> Donald Trump as a perfect individual or Biden as, as, you know, the devil incarnate. But why can't we wrestle through what is out there and to weigh out the opportunities and options that we have? The one who, who teaches their narrative control the people. With the narrative. And this is why freedom of speech, a God given right, is something we should never, ever negotiate away. And, and this really is an encroachment upon a God given right to free speech. So, this is one of the ways that tyrants control the people. The tenth point that I want you to understand about tyrants as we seek to unmask this is that tyrants love to control welfare, they want control of welfare. In the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 reads this way, Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all these duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. Now, that language, the general welfare of these United States, um, Is never intended to be that the government gave out from the public treasury funds to individuals for their specific welfare, and it was not intended to be a a giving of um, money that we call welfare today. This was not what was envisioned. The idea of welfare was just the well-being to promote the health of these United States. Uh, The Puritans never envisioned a state that would give out from the public treasury uh, these kinds of free gifts of money. The, the way they saw it, I believe rightly so, was that the deacons were the ministry of these sorts of things where they would give from the, the church funds to those who are in need. And more particularly, uh, those who could not work due to injury, handicap, but, but to simply give free funds because somebody didn't have a job uh, had to be discerned, are, are these people too lazy to work, are they unwilling to work, or are they unable to work? And if they're unable to work, much more went into the, the helping dimension of that. If they were unwilling to work, then, then the biblical mandate was you let them go hungry. Because if a man will not work, let him not eat either. Hunger tends to motivate people to work. And when we give out handouts, we actually do a disservice because we encourage laziness. We encourage a lack of production, and it becomes parasitic to a society. Uh, you can read uh, The Tragedy of American Compassion by Marvin Olasky, an excellent book that shows how multiple generations have, have been hurt hurt by this welfare mentality. But tyrants understand how this works. If you give a handout, you create a voter. An individual's not going to vote against somebody who gives them money. If, you know, presidencies have been won on what they're going to give the people. We're going to to forgive your student loans. Free college. You know, it goes on and on and on. Why? It's like in high school. You know, we've all had those, those occasions where the, the president's running, well, if you vote for me, I'm gonna give free ice cream to everybody. Oh, well, there you go, I'm gonna vote for them. God, get free ice cream. Tyrants understand that. That gets a secure voter for the next election. As John Weaver said, that our politicians are concerned about two things and two things only, their election and their reelection. <laughs> And so you get voters through welfare. PPP loans, stimulus dollars, student loan forgiveness, minimum wage, reparations, EBT, food stamps, WICs, and the list goes on and on about welfare programs that have been destructive and have been tyrannical and have enslaved families to be dependent upon a church that gives out a little pittance. I'll give you a quick illustration, even though I'm way, going way slower than I need to be at this point. People who took the PP loan, PPP loans this time around, you have to envision it this way. You have the freedom to operate a business, to make the kind of profit that you could make in your business, or you can submit to this loan free money given from the taxpayers, not even from the taxpayers. They, they create debt and obligate our children to pay a debt that they gave out to people, give them a fraction of what they could have made their business in debt a future generation and then the people who took that money are basically saying you now have control of my business here's the keys to my business you tell me whether we can open the doors or not and you must submit to their tyranny and they they took an awful lot of the means of production through that policy and we bought it as Americans lock stock and barrel but that's really what happened as many many business owners gave their business to a state that is seeking to kill the private means of production in america and to bring a communist dictatorship to america in my estimation it's heartbreaking The 11th and final point of today going to be far too brief to try to take on this subject, but tyrants want to disarm their citizens. What happens in this place is kings always seek to dethrone, to remove any of the remaining dynasty, the family dynasty, has to kill any threat to their continuation as a king, as a ruler. This has been just kind of the way things work in history because people love power. Tyrants love power. And and tyrants always live in fear that they will someday be assassinated by the surviving family members or when a society is so fed up with their tyranny that they will rise to arms and assassinate or take down that tyrant. They fear that. And so what they do is seek to disarm a citizenry of its ability to hold them in check, to take them down, to potentially assassinate. You think about Napoleon and Snowball, now in the White House, with their little house speaker squealer, who have, have opened the border walls at the Mexican border and have invited in known Drug trafficking, an element, not everyone who comes into America realizes realize is a, is a criminal, but a number are. And many who don't have jobs, who come to now take welfare from the state, gets them a voter, they now get more people to win the vote, now they just steal it. But why is it that the same group that will open the citizens to an increased criminal element that threaten our lives, and particularly the homes on the border, their, their homes, their families, their livestock, are all being compromised. Why is it that they do not have the right to protect themselves against that criminal element? And when Napoleon and Snowball take over the White House, what's the first thing they do? build a wall right around it to protect them from hostile elements. Why is it that these politicians can walk around with multiple armed security forces around them to protect them and deny the same right to its citizens? That's tyranny. Try to find ammo today. Why is it all about these assault rifles and street sweepers should never be in the hands of the public? Well, when I have a tyrant... That is trying to make my state a sanctuary state, who will not call crime, crime, won't punish crime as crime, allows a thieving, murdering, mob mentality to grow and propagate in, on our streets. And when their policies make our society so hungry for food, when they adopt the policies of a Venezuela, where people are... Chasing down dark garbage trucks to eat out of the back of garbage trucks. When people get hungry, and they go looking for food, and they come out in their mobs, how do I, how do I protect my family? And they create the need for those guns, and they disarm a law-abiding citizenry, and promote the criminal activity. It's just reprehensible. I could go on and on with examples, but bottom line is this. Guns are effective at accomplishing what the individual with that gun wants to do. If a man with a gun wants to rob a liquor store with a gun, he will be 83% effective in accomplishing his ends with that gun. But you know, guns aren't always used for criminal behavior. Though that's the narrative the censored narrative that we get from the censorship of tyrants. Guns are also 83% effective in stopping crimes when crimes are being perpetrated upon an individual. A thief wants to take your wallet? If you pull a gun out and say no, you're 83% effective in stopping that crime from happening. And so why should law-abiding citizens not have the means of protection like they do in their security forces. We have to be smart enough to understand that the right to bear arms that was granted to us in our Constitution was never perceived to come from government. When government give rights, they can take those rights away but our founding fathers understood better that those rights come from our creator God in our Declaration of Independence. I want to read a text briefly in closing make just a couple of quick quick comments, but we could go on and on and on on this subject alone of how tyrants are so big in gun control Those countries where gun control was the strictest is where crimes have been the greatest. And we see it in small degree. Go to Washington, D.C. Go to Chicago, where gun control laws are the strictest, and tell me that it really works for stopping crimes. In 1 Samuel 13, 19, we read this. Now, no blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel. You might ask yourself, why would the Holy Spirit tell us that? What was the purpose of it? No blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to sharpen his plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, and his hoe. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and the mattocks and the forks and the axes to fix, and to fix the hose. So it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan. Oh, that's interesting. The royal family gets weaponry. The king gets weaponry. The king's son gets weaponry, but the people don't have any weaponry. And so how are they going to fight against the Philistines? They go out with their axes and their hoes that were sharpened. Took their garden instruments to defend themselves, to take on the enemies. But those those swords were all all taken. No blacksmith could be in the land that you might have the weapons to defend yourselves. It's the policy of a tyrant. In Switzerland, New Zealand, and Israel, there are more guns per capita than in the United States of America. And yet, in each of those places, there's much less murder. It's not having weapons. High number of weapons does not equate to a high murder rate. In Switzerland, all the homes are to have at least one gun. All the citizens must train in the high school years in the safe use of firearms and that every home is to have a firearm. By law. One of the least amounts of home invasions is in Switzerland. Because nobody in their right mind is going to go into a home with a run. Think about the Montana. You think you would want us to go, go into Montana and rob a home in Montana? Would you go into a police station or a military compound and try to rob somebody? No, this is why they go into the schools, the elementary schools, where there are no guns by law and take advantage of indefensible citizens. Folks, God gives us the right to defend ourselves. And if need be, to use deadly force against one who clearly wants to take our life. And a tyrant will seek to take that right from you. Gun control laws are tyranny, not freedom. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us for our indifference to these things. Help us to be wise in these days, to fight against those policies that are so so contrary to your word. We ask that you would glorify your good name, make Christ known among the nations, give us, give us a voice in these days for these purposes, we pray in Jesus' most blessed name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Foundations, the radio ministry of Oak Hill Presbyterian Church. Our church is located at the corner of Mono Way, Highway 108 and Peaceful Valley Road in East Sonora, California. The church with the crosses. Our weekly worship service begins at 9.45 a.m. We would be delighted to have you join us as we worship Almighty God, explore His Word, and fellowship in Christian love. If you would like a copy of today's message or more information about Oak Hill, please visit our website at oakhillopc.org.